All righty, everybody. Good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We continue to do our veteran reviews of off-season moves, and we are on to the wide receiver. And uh, Wiz, as much as I'm the running back position doesn't get my uh, juices flowing, uh, it's a very different story when it comes to wide receiver in the NFL. There are so many options the way the game is played today and some some big-time moves in the offseason, some very intriguing moves. I think some players definitely going to make an impact in their new locales. Uh, Wiz, how are we doing today? I'm doing well, and I, I completely I, I like what you just said, and I completely agree with it. <clears throat> Unlike running back, where kind of like the order mostly is set, and for one of these players in the back to really do something, you know, like uh, we just mentioned, we talked about Davis, uh, on uh, who's with the Falcons this year. It, it took that injury to Christian McCaffrey. What I love about analyzing the wide receiver position, and I, I think you feel the same way, is that you could take receivers like 15 to 50 almost, put them in a bag, and the order can come out in many, many different ways. And I love the fact that you can get a receiver in an auction draft for a dollar or two. Uh, that could because a lot of people rank that wide receiver somewhere after 40. And in theory, he could be a, a top 15 wide receiver. And I think this is the position where that happens most often. Yeah, and I, I don't think you have to panic at the position. I think you can... Uh... You know, look, we're in a league, uh, mainly that we're in. We draft seven slash eight receivers, depending if that last spot is used at a flex position. And there are a lot of guys that go at the end of that draft or three, two, one. This is an auction league, so three, two, and one dollars. If we were if we if we were in a snake draft, they'd be going in the very late rounds. But I would feel very comfortable if I was in a situation where I kind of had the you know the core of my roster established, and I had to wait to fill in my roster at the end, and I was doing it with you know receivers ranked in the in the sixties and seventies on the rank chart, where you know you mentioned in the, in the top fifty. But I think there are even guys that go deeper than that. Look, receiver is pretty much three to four receiver deep on almost every single roster in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could go over example after example, example. But just one that comes to mind is uh, Cole Beasley, a guy who, you know, was like written off as a Dallas Cowboy reject. And boy, he got in that offense. And if you had him in a PPR league, he was an absolute monster. And uh, this is a receiver uh, who I think went for a dollar or two in our league and uh, probably was not even ranked in the top 50 or 60 in a lot of drafts. It's just an example, and there are many, many more, uh, that you look at the situation and uh, it, it makes it very exciting when you analyze the wide receiver position because uh, you can get guys and you pay a fraction of the price that could outperform uh, guys that are going for way more money. You know, you mentioned Beasley, and yeah, I would say in some of my leagues that I was in, Cole Beasley was still a free agent, depending on the depth of your roster. He was still lingering on free agent wires in like week four, five, and six, believe it or not. And in, and every week he was going, you know, because of the rushing game and the way they utilized uh, Cole Beasley's, you know, skill set. Oh, this guy was an unbelievably effective player all year long until, and really until that injury kind of you know derailed him at the end of the season. But Cole Beasley was a absolute mainstay in fantasy circles last year. 
It sure was. Yeah. All right, so let, 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 over, uh, yeah, let's some examples. And yeah, let's see which ones of the which uh, which of these guys may slip into that group. So let's start in the AFC East, and uh, I'll start with I think even though he's a veteran guy, but he's he's entering a, a pass happy offense, and that's Emmanuel Sanders goes from San Francisco, Denver, Pittsburgh, Denver. San Francisco, New Orleans last year, and now he's a Buffalo Bill. Now, the Bills have lost John Brown. Uh, you know, we know what Stephen Diggs has done here. We know Beasley is here as well. We like the rookie from last year, Gabriel Davis. Uh, they've got the kid McKinsey who's, uh, 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 McKinsey, who's a solid player. But, you know, there is some intrigue. And I'm not, look, I'm not the hugest Emmanuel Sanders uh, fan, especially at age 33. But again, you know, if something would have happened to one of those top uh, pass catchers and the fact that John Brown has moved away, it can easily be argued that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the number number three pass catcher in this offense. And additionally, in this in this uh, division, was we have New England, who's made two signings in Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Bourne, uh, definitely a nose for the end zone. Aguilar, big year for the Raiders last year. And we know that Miami has made a splash with Will Fuller, and the Jets have made a splash with Corey Davis. I- I'm going to say this. I think Corey Davis is getting a lot of attention. I think that Jet situation is very crowded. I don't expect Corey Davis to duplicate. He got paid a lot of money, but I don't expect him to duplicate what he did last year. Uh, so I'd be a little bit concerned about Corey Davis you know, in terms of where, because I think Mims will be the number one receiver in that offense, but I want to have you have a crack at these guys. There's a lot of signings here in the AFC East. We like what all of these teams have done. This is one of the better divisions in football right now. So I'll let you kind of add to kind of what I've already stated here about the, uh, about the AFC East teams. Yeah. I mean, if you told me, let's start with Emmanuel Sanders. That was the first play you mentioned. If you told me Emmanuel Sanders, um, was going to get the target share that John Brown got, you know, putting him in that spot. He's not the same exact reaver. He's not, he doesn't have the speed, certainly, that John Brown has, but he's a much better route runner. And, you know, just looking at some of the stats, you know, John Brown, week one, six to 70, week two, four for 82. Uh, he was hurt a bunch of weeks, eight for 99, six for 72 when he came back. Uh, he, he, the games he played, he did well, and if he gets that target share, I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to out, well outperform his ADP average draft position this upcoming year. Um, I think the most interesting player out of all of these guys is Will Fuller, who has been a big hit in this guy uh, in fantasy. You know, he could stay on the field. Uh, last year he ran into you know issues with – performance-hanting drugs, a, a one-game suspension, I believe. Um, so he's, he's, the, he's the wild card in all of this. I agree. I, I think if you think Corey Davis uh, is going to do anything outstanding, I think that's probably not right in the confines of this offense. I think there'll be a bunch of targets going around, especially since Michael Carter is there, and he's going to soak up some targets as well from the backfield. So, and, and, and Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, I'd be more excited, honestly, about those players if Mac Jones, I knew, was the starter. I'm not going to be excited about any pass catcher on New England as long as Cam Newton is the starter. But to me, the interesting player is Will Fuller because he is capable of doing a lot, and that offense is going to be uh, somewhat dynamic this year. 
Yeah, and you know, I think over the years, Will Fuller has frustrated a lot of owners with you know, constant injuries. And last year, he was able to stay on the field. Now, whether he was able to stay on the field because he was enhanced is a question that remains. Uh, but last year, when given the opportunity, he was certainly making the rounds as a as, as a top fifteen receiver. Uh, before he got suspended, he was making a lot of noise with Deshaun Watson in Houston. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he, he's a real wild card. His value could be um, under the, you know, he could be, he could be one of these guys that uh, if people kind of like think, hey, he's with a new team and he did all of that with Watson, he could be kind of undervalued coming into the season. So he, he, he's a player I'm looking at. And Corey Davis, like I said, I just think is kind of know what you're going to get with the guy. I, I think he's probably going to be good for 60, 70 catches uh, in that offense, uh, some touchdowns. But anytime you have a rookie quarterback and rookie coaches, rookie offensive coordinator, it, it may take a while for that situation to gel. All right, so the, the one splash signing, if you will, uh, not a splash in my pool, but the one splash signing in the AFC North was Sammy Watkins. Now, granted, uh, Bateman was drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, but look, this is not a pass-friendly team. So, you know, I, I, was standing, I would be standing clear of Sammy Watkins regardless, but nonetheless, uh, he's the one guy that I think gets a little bit of attention in the AFC North. There was a lot of re-signings in the AFC North. Uh, you had Juju re-signed with the Steelers, Rashard Higgins re-signed, with the Cleveland Browns, but this is the one signing that I look at that that may have some impact. Uh, again, I don't trust it because of the offense that they're running. Lamar Jackson is not a traditional quarterback, and Sammy Watkins to me has just been a nightmare to own. Very frustrating, very inconsistent. Uh, you know, situation that I will not be going near in fantasy circles. Yeah, I think if he wasn't wildly explosive game in game out with Patrick Mahomes. Um, there's not much, you know, you know, I think he could have some games here or there, but I think they like that he's a big physical receiver and will help as far as with the running game as, as a good blocking wide receiver. But as far as um, Watkins, I'm going to be in your camp because you were way ahead of me on this one. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your pass Rooney on Sammy Watkins this year. All right, now let's move to the AFC South. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer. Uh, I, I, Keelan Cole has left this situation, by the way. We didn't mention him, but he is with the Jets. Um, I, the one signing here where, you know, I, I lambasted this guy last, last year early in the season, but second half of the season, Marvin Jones was a top five fantasy wide receiver. He went nuts after Kenny Galladay r- remained out. Uh, for the Lions, uh, again, he moves to this offense. There is a crowd. There's a real crowd in, in, in Jacksonville for targets. Uh, I think. I think it'll be a real challenge to Marvin Jones to get near the levels that he accomplished last year. That's for certain. I look at LaVisca Chenault making a step up. DJ Shark was very inconsistent last year. That shouldn't happen coming into this year. Uh, Indianapolis, they re-signed T.Y. Hilton. Houston brings a bunch of broken down records in to play alongside uh, Brandon Cooks because we know they've lost uh, uh, they, they, they lost Will Fuller. Uh, so situations in the AFC South... and. But Tennessee, to me, has signed the most intriguing wide receiver prospect because of the targets lost in this offense, and that's Josh Reynolds, who made a step up last year, over 50 catches last year, 600-something yards for the Los Angeles Rams. I think he. you asked me today, specifically when we were talking on a separate conversation about a, sl- a real sleeper in fantasy circles, and Reynolds 
is definitely got a target on his back for me where he's a guy that I'm going to be adding in a lot of leagues this year. I like Josh Reynolds. <clears throat> he, he just wasn't given the opportunity with the Rams. I mean, look, they had better receivers ahead of him on the depth chart. But you make a good point. I mean, no Adam Humphreys, no John Smith, no Corey Davis. Someone's going to get those targets. And uh, if Josh Reynolds gets those targets, uh, I think he could be one of those guys in that group that we talked about before we started that podcast that <clears throat> could perform and outperform by a lot his ADP. Um, as far as Marvin Jones goes, I, I think this is a terrific signing for the sake of they got some young wide receivers in LaVisca Chenault um, and DJ Shark in that wide receiver room. He is a terrific receiver. He is a, a great route runner. And you, you're right about the inconsistency and, and, you know, with DJ Shark last year. But as far as I'm concerned, as far as Shark and LaVisca Chenault are concerned, I'm taking last season's stats and I'm taking a big red marker and I'm putting an X to them like it never happened. Because I'm not sure Jerry Rice would put up good numbers with C.J. Beathard, Cardinal Minshew, Jake Luton. I mean, he had some of the worst quarterback play in the NFL last year. So I'm going to put an X to that. Those guys in my analysis and how I rank them, they're going to get a fresh start. I'm not concerned with last year. I'm looking at a new start with Trevor Lawrence and uh, I, I have optimism for the Jags' offense improving, and I like Marvin Jones. It's not the same thing. He doesn't have Matt Stafford. He's not clearly going to be the only wide receiver he was thrown to like he was in the second half or most of last year. But I think Marvin Jones is okay. But I, I'm more... I'm more with you in the camp of, of Reynolds because there are a lot of targets to go around, and that team runs that play action so well, and uh, there'll be a lot of opportunity for Josh Reynolds to do some things there. You know, I'm going to mention one signing, and it's not really going to get any attention in fantasy circles unless you're drafting uh, a defense or a special teams. Um, so I thought last year, and I think you mentioned this before as well, I, I think we felt that the Jaguars – Definitely played, um, I, I would say, inspired football, kind of like the Dolphins. We, we, we mentioned this before, did the previous season, and, and obviously Urban Meyer is the new head coach. A lot of young players on that defense. But one thing that they did spend money on, and, and, and I, I found it very interesting, a player that has five touchdowns uh, in, punt, in punt and kickoff returns the last couple of seasons, and that's Jamal Agnew, who was signed from the Detroit Lions. He's not going to do anything from a receiver perspective, but if somehow the the, the Jacksonville Jaguar defense, uh, you know, continues to kind of improve, and they add a player, but they spent money on this guy, almost $15 million for three years. Like I said, five touchdowns over the last couple of years with the Lions, but that kind of money spent on a player shows you the value that Jacksonville Jaguars place on the kick return game, and Jamal Agnew is one of the more exciting guys, but that's a lot of money to spend. I think he had the sixth highest total contract of all wide receivers in free agency, and most people don't know who the player is, but just, just, just I thought a little tidbit to mention, it's not going to impact you only really if you're drafting on the, on the defense and special team side of the ball. Are you giving us a little tease about the Jags maybe entering uh, uh, you the know, top 24 defense special teams? You know, year? look, I, I thought the Jaguar defense played much better. They, they had a bunch of young guys on defense, right? And they played better as the season went on. And, and, and 
I don't know, maybe it's a very different attitude overall all over the team, and then you add a guy that brings another dimension in, in, the, in the return game. So just something, just something to note, that's all. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. All right, so let's move on to the AFC West. And, um, you know, we look at... Look at Brown. That's the player I got there in the, old, in the division. That, exactly. That, uh, it's, you have that one player it is little. one player and one player only. Aguilar has left, and Smokey Brown is a Las Vegas Raider. Now, Henry Ruggs, disappointing last year. Brian Edwards, disappointing last year. I don't understand, again, how the Raiders used Hunter Renfro. Two years ago, they started to get him involved, and last year they forgot about it again. We know Waller is the best offensive weapon here. But Smokey Brown still has life in himself. We know this is a Raider team, which, by the way, is the worst team in this division, and he's going to be playing from behind because they have a terrible defense. Smokey Brown most definitely can be the number one receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. Do you agree with that statement? I agree. I mean, I, I agree. He really, you know, to me, it looks like a player that is is certainly set up to to have a good year. I mean, uh, it didn't appear to me that Henry Ruggs was ready or lived up the hype or could stay on the field. And uh, yeah, I think I think John Brown has a chance to be one of the few veterans that we talked about to go over and be clearly the number one wide receiver on the team he's going to. I love it. Now, uh, your boy, Willie Sneed is also a Las Vegas Raider, but he does play the same position as Renfro, so maybe John Gruden and company can find a way to utilize that slot position, but... I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by John Brown. I think he'll be cheap. I think he'll definitely be outside the top 40 in receivers. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's the way I would rank him, definitely outside that, uh, and a player that you can get cheap on draft day. I think over the last, since he ended the career, I think you or I have drafted him in the league that were against each other. Every, I think he's either been on your team or my team every single year. I think we like him uh, more than any of our uh, you know, our, our, our co-GMs in our league, would, uh, we'll, we'll see how it plays out because he's not everyone's cup of tea. Let's just put it like that. All right, so let's go to the NFC East and, and probably the two biggest splashes in free agency I think were made in the NFC East with Washington signing uh, Curtis Samuel and in, of course, the New York football giants, Kenny Galladay, big signing. Now, can Galladay match up to the signing of that contract? I think a lot of this is, is going to be basically based in what Daniel Jones does at quarterback. But these are two of the biggest signings. I think Curtis Samuel obviously has a lot of value here. Uh, and, and Galladay, really, it's, it's, it's about the next step taken in this offense for the New York football giants. Yeah, so I think we could just kind of you know gloss over the Cowboys and the Eagles who didn't do anything in terms of free agents, um, veteran receivers coming over. They drafted, as we know, Devontae Smith and some of their existing players. The Cowboys stood pat. They have, they're happy with their wide receiver room. So as far as the, the two other teams go, yeah, I think Curtis Samuel is an important receiver to help Terry McLaurin. They also brought in Adam Humphreys as well. So so I think I think he's you know one of these guys um, that could get on the same page with Fitzpatrick. Now he's probably not going to be Cole Beasley and put up those type of numbers, but Curtis Samuel is an interesting guy, and uh, I think he could be one of those guys that we talked about where people rank receivers between fifty and 
15 and like 50 or 60 and um outperform his average draft position. Uh, so I don't know what your view is on that. And as far as the Giants go, yeah, I mean, you know, Daniel Jones has got to let Kenny Galladay catch the ball. He's got to throw a bunch of balls to him even when he feels he's covered. The 50-50 ball is what he does best. Uh, he's a physical receiver. And John Cross, people, was talking about this earlier with you, you know, people forget in the 2017 draft, which is only a few years ago, he was the overall ninth pick. He's a different wide receiver than anyone that the Giants have. He's much faster. And I'm just wondering if he's going to be used in certain, um, you know, certain formations and have a certain plays for that player uh, to see if they can hit him over the top. So what are your views on uh, the Giants and the, and the Washington football team signings? So, so I, I do love the Samuel signing. I like, I like the Fitzpatrick signing. I like everything that went on in, in Washington. I think the Giants situation is a little tricky. I thought Kenny Galladay, if you remember, was had the potential to be the number one receiver in football last year, and that was with Matthew Stafford in this yeah, offense. Like a bold prediction. Yep, and you know, I look at a player that if drafted today is probably outside the top 15 and wide receivers. I don't know. I, I don't see him being it's, – it's, it, to me, it's a much more difficult thing to, to – to, I'd have to see what kind of goes on in, in a little bit of preseason action that we'll see. I want to hear a lot more about it. But, you know, Galladay was out, you know, the latter half of last year, so did not play a lot of football. He's got he's recovering from an injury. Uh, and at the same time, like, you know, the consistency in Daniel Jones has to take to the next level. I also thought that the Giants ran extremely conservative offense last year. And Galladay runs very different paths. You know, Matthew Stafford and him, developed a rapport uh you know he could throw the ball up to Galladay Galladay was kind of one of those players that you know for the jump ball you've talked about this as well and I don't know if he can achieve that in this giant offense so local like in in these New York centric drafts I could see Kenny Galladay going for a lot of money but I'm definitely squeamish about that player uh in in the in the situation with a still developing Daniel Jones and I'm just not sure that this offense has that same kind of capabilities that maybe Detroit did at times last year. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Some of that is is trust, and uh, you know, we, we talk about the, the 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 greats of all time. They talk, you know, when you when you hear them talk about it, they they say some things that are so interesting. Is that when you have a rapport with a receiver, when you have an elite receiver on your team, when you have a, a, a receiver that can go get the ball, when he's covered, it doesn't matter. You still throw him the ball. And <clears throat> Daniel Jones has got to get better at that, more confident in that, and have a better sense of the pocket and feel pressure better to be able to get the ball to Galladay because you know, they didn't give Galladay all of this money to throw those seven-yard square outs that they throw to Sterling Shepard. I mean, he's a different type of receiver, and they need to make some big plays in the passing game. And uh, we're going to see if Daniel Jones, in his third year now, is going to evolve and uh, become the player that a lot of people, especially in the Giants organization, thought he was going to become. Yeah, this is is a big test this year. So I'm hoping that those guys are throwing to each other already somewhere – 
somewhere around the, the, the Meadowlands area, but uh, time will tell. Let's, let's move to AFC Northwiz. And so Galladay's former team, they're, they're the ones that kind of brought the most bodies in. Uh, Amron St. Brown was drafted, but the veterans that were brought in here, Tyrell Williams, Brashard Perryman, uh, and Khalif Raymond from the Tennessee Titans. Those are those who Jared Goff is going to be throwing to next year. And the Chicago Bears made a couple of mini signings in, in Marquise Goodwin, uh, being one of them, and they drafted somebody else. I'm just slipping my mind. They signed somebody else. Oh, Demir Bird is, is the other guy who they had a few good games last year with with the, with the New England Patriots. Uh, he was teammates with uh, with Cam Newton in Carolina the uh, previous year. Uh, again, I don't think really on the fantasy landscape for me. Uh, but there is someone's going to have to catch footballs for the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff, where he goes with those footballs, I don't know. You know, Perryman made some splashes over the years. Tyrell Williams, same thing. But you know, look, there is there's a lot of targets to be made up in Detroit, and how they will go about doing that will be quite interesting. I mean, my money actually says that actually St. Brown will will probably Probably be from a production standpoint. Even though a rookie, I think he'll be sitting in the slot and he'll be starting on this team. So that's the that's a guy that I think on draft day may have some intrigue between Perryman and, and Tyrell Williams. I don't know. Tyrell Williams just seems like he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years, and Perryman the same. So I don't know if I have any faith in any consistency from any of those players, but I can see one of those players, you know, being around after draft day as a potential pickup candidate in this offense. Yeah, I think, the, you know, the Sun's going to catch those passes. So, <clears throat> I, yeah, I think, you know, Perman has had his moments. Um, you know, he, he excelled when all those guys got hurt in Tampa Bay two years ago. Uh, same thing, couldn't stay on the field with the Jets, had some moments. Uh, Williams was a big, big disappointment as well. Uh, so, and, and Demir Bird... I, I, as far as me getting excited about any Bears receiver, I don't know. If I don't have Allen Robinson on my team, I don't envision myself having any of the other Bear receivers. Uh, but, you know, if, if, depending who the quarterback is there, you may want to take a look at him. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. And uh, there's certainly worth somebody taking a stab on in the Lions receiving core. I mean, because uh, someone's going to have to catch those passes and. When you lose Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, that's a million targets that are available for somebody this year. All right. Now, in the in the, in the NFC South, uh, a lot of re-signings. Antonio Brown re-signed in, in Tampa Bay. Uh, Atlanta basically brings back their, their receiving core. Same thing with New Orleans. Carolina ends up bringing in uh, David Moore from Seattle. Uh, and remember, they have lost Curtis Samuel. They have drafted Terrace Marshall. So is it a situation where the veteran can actually establish himself as the third wheel behind DJ Moore and, 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 a, and a player like um, Robbie Anderson? And how are you kind of viewing how things shake out in Carolina? Was other than that in this division, I didn't see anything that was really exciting, unless I'm missing something or overlooking things. No, I agree with that. I think we could kind of move on to the NFC West. I mean, you know, Moore is—he's you know—he's an okay receiver, but he's you know a third, fourth, fifth guy on the depth chart, and uh, Carolina did not draft Terrace Marshall in the second round to sit behind Moore, so. I think, in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> all right, NFC West, uh, the two splash names, they're older guys, uh, injured guys the last few years, super frustrating uh, from a fantasy perspective. They've, they've caused a lot of damage. Uh, 
every once in a while they'll they'll make a big splash. I'm talking about AJ Green and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, to me, those are the most noteworthy signings. Uh, Mohamed Sanu doesn't kind of shake my tree at all. Uh, him signing with San Francisco, whether he makes the roster, that remains to be seen. I don't know how much AJ Green has left in the tank. Um, I would say the same thing about Deshaun Jackson because it seems like he's perpetually injured. And but. There is some intrigue with, with a guy like Matthew Stafford in this offense, not the same type of player that, that Jared Goff was at quarterback. So those are the two players that I look at in this offense at the receiver position that could make some noise. Not that I have a lot of confidence in it. Uh, you know, These are names that still A.J. Green has lost a lot of value in terms of fantasy. Uh, you know, This is the DeAndre Hopkins show in Atlanta, and I think a guy like Christian Kirk is still a better value to me than A.J. Green, but may- maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm, I'm going to need that proven to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one guy to, that's interesting to talk about in this entire division of veterans that switch teams is A.J. Green. Um, this is a guy that for years and years and years was a top five receiver, maybe even top three. Then injuries. Then last year with a rookie quarterback whose season ended shortly. Now he's in an offense that has a lot of potential to score, run a lot of plays, a lot of targets. So uh, the question is, you know, can A.J. Green turn back the clock? I don't mean turn back the clock to being a top three or five guy. Can he turn back the clock to where he becomes extremely fantasy relevant? Or is he just another guy? So give it to me, Guru. Is he just another guy this year, or is he turning back the clock? Yeah, I'm. I'm not going down that road. I'm just not. Uh, it's a player that I've been. I actually drafted him in in our league last year, um, and I quickly cut him because I was just disgusted with what I was seeing. And then he ended up getting hurt, and uh, he ended up getting picked up. Other guys utilized him, but it it wasn't for me. And I, like I said, I think Christian Kirk is the second best offensive weapon at the receiver position after DeAndre Hopkins. I and he does have a bit of a rapport. It's going to take some time. I'm not saying, look, Larry Fitz is not going to be part of this offense. So there will be targets. Can I see A.J. Green catching uh, 55, 60 balls for 700 yards and five, six touchdowns? Yeah, I could see that happening, but I'm going to let someone else go go that route. It's not going to be me. And the same thing for Deshaun Jackson. I'm, it's, it's just a place I'm not going. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of a guy who, who wants to stay away from aging players, players that are deteriorating in skill set and in physical talents. And that will be the case here for me. Just, just not something that not, not a road that I want to go down. The other thing that's not like, you know, X's and O's related, but I just think could be a factor is, you know, as I watched A.J. Green, you know, the years of, you know, and the injuries, it seems he takes himself out of a lot of games. You know, he just doesn't play consecutive, that many consecutive plays and needs to come out. And in this offense, where you're trying to run a million plays a game and trying to run as many offensive players plays and as fast as you could run them. I'm not sure about his stamina either and, uh, and wh- what that's going to look like. So I just think it's another thing, maybe on a negative you know, look at A.J. Green for the upcoming season is I just think it's, a different, you know, it's difficult for a player of his age who's been through the injuries that he has and the type of offense that, they, that Arizona is going to run. Um, you know, I just think he's going to take himself out of a lot of plays. 
Yeah, he's a master at pulling that jersey to take himself out. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, that's the thing. And and this offense, like, you know, the, once you do that, you let the defense substitute. So that's the thing, right? The reason, the advantage of the offense is to not substitute. The defense must keep their defense on the field. And once you make one substitution, the other team could bring in seven guys on defense. So I'm just wondering – if that's going to come into play and it's something to, to keep an eye on. No question about it, uh, but, you know, I'm going to let someone else do that uh, picking. Like I said, I'd much rather have a guy like Christian Kirk from this team th- th- than a guy like A.J. AJ you Green. You love that player. You, lo- you love Christian. I do. You love him. I do. You and, love I, that guy. I do, and, and remember, they, they played together for a season. There is a rapport between Christian Kirk and, and, and Kyler Murray. I think he was a bit inconsistent again last year. This Again, this is DeAndre Hopkins. He is the guy. He's going to be getting most of the targets. But if you're going to ask me who else I would rather own in this offense, it's going to be Christian Kirk. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an offense where, in theory, you know, there could be a lot of players that people draft from, from you know, on on this team. No, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, just you know, after Hopkins, the receiving, you know, is 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 a little confusing about which guys to go after. Uh, we talked about Edmonds versus Connor, so there's going to be a lot of players drafted. Um, uh, from the Arizona Cardinals football team in fantasy football, but uh, it'll be, you know, which of those guys really step up. So we'll have to see. And, uh, you know, I guess the next podcast is going to do some of these uh, tight end players, tight ends who have uh, switched teams as well this last year. Yep, absolutely, Wiz. And, and again, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And we'll be back at the end of the week. We're going to do a little bit on tight ends. And I think we will actually maybe even take a close examination at defense and uh, and kickers at some point. But, yeah, make sure you're listening. We're trying to keep people updated as we prepare for the 2021 season. I'm going to wish you a good evening, Wiz. Thank you very much once again for your eloquent analysis. Appreciate that, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Yeah.